When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Chris Harrington joins the program. Chris, what are we listening to? That is a Buffalo, excuse me, Buffalo Fight Song by the band Wide Right. Appropriate on this day. I figured maybe Jeff could handle that since he wasn't in studio. Yeah, that's, that's probably the right way. I was trying to think about it, though. Maybe it's the nature of the NBA, but it doesn't feel like and maybe it's just cuz the NBA is not as as old as some of the other the other leagues but do we have tortured fan bases because even like when i think about a team like Minnesota they don't have a ton of like playoff success but it's not like oh they were knocking on the door of you know western conference finals and never got there it almost just feels like in the NBA, it's like you're either you're either a team that competes or you're kind of like in this like doldrums. Yeah, I mean Sacramento comes to mind. I mean that that Weber Vlade that yeah. team like had the Lakers beat basically and didn't and didn't pull through. I'm sure there are other examples too, but that's the first thing that comes to mind is it would be the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I guess the Thunder would claim during the Durant, you know, the Durant, Harden, Westbrook. I mean, they did start the fourth quarter with, if not a double-digit lead in Game Six, like it was close to a double-digit lead. But I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think of like when you use the Kings as an example. Like, I think of it more as like teams in a specific time period, rather than like, like the Bills have been going on this now. Like, in the they have the the '90s, the early 2000s, and now like 2020, where they have like. Soul crushing losses. I just don't feel like we see in the NBA teams with that yeah, kind of range. No, not quite that. Again, the Sacramento thing comes immediately to mind. When I think of like teams that like fall short, like crushingly, I think of that Kings team against the Lakers. Yeah, I think I think the Sixers during the Embiid era. Yeah, um, that's a pretty good yeah, one too. Like the and the, you had the one the, where Kawhi like hit the shot yeah. from the corner that bounced on the rim four like times, seven and, times, and yeah. went through. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's kind of how I, I tend to think about it. Uh, wanted to. I, I was trying to think about it. Like in terms of Saturday, is that like one of the most non? Like I looked at the final score because I watched both the the Minnesota and the Chicago game. It's like the final score was somewhat roughly the same. Yet I feel like those were two completely different games. Is that one of the most like nondescript losses that you can remember this season? Yeah, honestly, I mean, that's that's one of the rare ones where, like, after the end of the first quarter, I switched over to the Packers-Niners game. Yeah. I, have, I, have a, I have a second-hand rooting interest in the Packers, and that didn't go that well for me either. Um, it looked, it but, looked good yeah. for, like, three and a half quarters. No, no, it was, it was, it was a good game, speaking of field goal problems. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I mean, that was one that even I pulled the plug on, honestly. Saturday night with, you know, the NFL playoff game going up against it. Because I was also thinking about this. We talk about whether or not this is a gap year. 
Is it possible for players to have gap years? Like, I was kind of thinking about that. Like, how would you characterize the difference between a gap year and just a bad year? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's had a gap three years, it feels like. Yeah. And, and now, like, well, he's sort of all the way back. But no, I, yeah, I mean, I think players have, I don't think players have healthy gap years. I think players are on teams. Healthy players can be on teams that have a gap year. I think that's happening with Jaron right now. Yeah. I think, I think players have injury-marred seasons, great players have injury-marred seasons, and then bounce right back to where they were before. I mean, Ja has now been, it's going to be on like a season and a half long, multiple reason um, um, journey, but there's like no reason not to expect him to be right back as like an all-NBA, all-star level player on a good team next season. Well, kind of on the same, the same lines of health and whatnot, how much have you paid attention to the NBA, you know, essentially conducting surveys or conducting reports about the impact of injuries and resting. The, really, I guess it should be, I should say it's the impact of rest and how it impacts injuries. Have you made anything of the fact that it feels like it's such a – it feels like it's definitely a talking point for the league? Well, I think – I mean, I, I'm skeptical sort of all around, I guess. Yeah, I, it I feels like everyone's got a predetermined outcome. You're like, here's what this study yeah. said, yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't doubt that maybe there are teams that have overdone it on that stuff more than they need to. I also don't quite trust the NBA's like motivations and say and claiming that it like it doesn't work or it's inconclusive or whatever. I think they they want players to play more as they should, as I do as well. Um, and I think especially they want players to play more right now instead of negotiating new TV deals. And so we'll see after that. I, I, I mean, I, I think the NBA is right to say that that the the rest management stuff has gone too far, not only for the health of their product, but just for what is truly like positive or necessary. I think that's probably true. I mean, the real underlying issue with all of this is like they won't, they won't like you know change the schedule in a way that eliminates back to backs. Well, and I and think so that, that's kind of the problem. I think like another issue that I see though is, you know, they can they can talk around it all they want, and whether or not it's was intentional, whether or not it was their fault, whether or not it's you know, the way the product is consumed. I do think the fact that this became such a postseason sport and now everyone is just judged, you know, I'm paying this guy 200 and some odd million dollars and I'm judging him based on what he does in the playoffs. Like, I do think that that diminished your regular season and and it diminished more importantly, like the, it diminished the need to like sit there and go, all right, like let's, let's go play again. Yeah, no, I mean, and a lot of the changes they've made, uh, you know, sort of around the edges have been things that in small ways are meant to to increase the value of the regular season. And you start chipping away in all kinds of ways. Maybe it adds up, you know, the 65 game um, threshold now for awards, I think has had an impact. I think the, the, the new rules and new instruction on, on the rest stuff has had an impact. I think the NCAA tournament. You know, not like some like overwhelming success, but I think generally a success in terms of getting having interest and and you know more than like the the, the other those games would have. I can't. I know? definitely thought those games were more interesting than a typical November yeah. December regular season game. I think that's unquestionable. Yeah, and so you start just sort of, and, and then the, the the new rules around the lottery that's meant to. To limit tanking. Now we have four teams this year that are truly terrible. Yeah, but I don't think those teams are tanking. I just they're just terrible. Are terrible. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're not artificially like. I, mean, I guess San Antonio is sort of limiting the wear and tear on Wimby, but that's not a tanking thing. That's a that that is a true like 
this guy's seven four, and we're trying to manage his his long term health kind of thing. But so even though we have like bad teams, I, you have you don't see teams striving um, to race to the bottom quite as much as maybe five ten years ago. And so I think all these things around the edges have contributed. I mean, the reality is that like you know, different things are different, right? Like the NBA is not the NFL yep. and it's not major league baseball. Like, you know, major league baseball is 162 game season. People don't live and die with the outcome of every individual game. That's just sort of baked into the way the sports work. Um, I think the NBA, NBA has been right to try to increase the value of their regular season product. I think they've made lots of efforts to do so that have all had positive effects, if not like transformative effects. I think the big thing that they could do that they're not going to do is, 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 is reduce the number of games. Well, I mean, to me, like, that's, that's kind of like any time you come up with an idea, it's like, well, the obvious answer is not going to be a starting point. So at a certain point, it's right. like I'm, I'm willing to listen to ideas and, you know, to your point, like, okay, yes, I, I, I thought the in-season tournament was net positive. I was actually looking at it, though, from this perspective. Is this where... Is the 65-game threshold, like, I know it's probably too soon one way or the other, but you would think, given the Grizzlies' lack of success, that would probably prohibit a guy like Jaron from from getting big-time hardware. But then you start to look at, you know, right. you know, you know I mean, like the guys, fact that right. he's playing and he's healthy, it's like, I don't know, maybe yeah. he, he makes some lists. No, I got to think, I got to think that, that maybe, I, I, again, I, to your, I actually thought about this earlier. To your point, given the way I – mean, he's had a good season. He has not had a great season, and the Grizzlies have been bad. So it's unlikely he's going to show up, you know, third-team All-NBA or any of that right. anyway. He probably should show up or at least be a contender for an all-defensive team, given that the Grizzlies' defense has still been good all year amid all the other mess. Um, but – so he, he is unlikely to get rewarded in any of that stuff anyway. But like if he if he plays seventy games and you sort of, you look up and suddenly you got a bunch of like you know like Jimmy Butler's not going to play sixty five yeah. and you, you have a you have enough of that you know maybe he speaks into some conversations so I wonder if that's not even the thing it's like okay we're you know at some point maybe we shut Jared down too once we get deeper to the season but let's let's let's, let's let him get his sixty five at least I have no idea whether that conversation has been had but like it wouldn't shock me well because I was also trying to think about it from. Is there is there a big financial for him? Like, is there incentive other than because he's not on he's not on an escalated type deal, right? I don't think. Well, a there are no as far as I know there are no incentives built into his contract specifically, um, and then b he's still got you know two years left before he comes up for a new deal anyway, right? And so I don't I don't think there's anything in that in particular again if he were truly in the thick of like an elite award race i think that would matter i think it will matter for lots of players that's not likely to be jaron's situation as you imply like maybe he backdoors his way in because other guys fall off but even that seems unlikely like, again in, in the end like when you're when your career's done wikipedia will say whatever it says you know it'll say second team or whatnot like i'm not i'm not trying to to diminish it i was just like i don't know if there's it didn't seem to me that there was an obvious financial incentive for him to like be like you know hey we're in april and they're you know they're sixth from the bottom like let's keep pushing yeah no i don't think there's anything in his contract around games played or awards or any of that as far as i know i think i think there's no there are no incentive stuff in his deal uh so steven adams reemerged this week um how i saw you'd kind of written about this i saw that you'd kind of written about this in the mailbag I guess I was somewhat aware of maybe the where is Steven Adams like where's 
But I kind of thought it was a joke. Like, was that actually something people were concerned about? Because I just looked at it. I was like, he had major surgery. He had it in L.A. Like, I just assumed he was off, you know, rehabbing elsewhere. I, I was surprised when I, when I, when I rang, the, rang the mailbag bell for questions. I got more questions on that specific thing than I think I've ever gotten on one specific thing. Like, I chose one question that would be representative, but I could have chosen, like, 19 others. I literally got, like, 20 questions asking what's up, what's up with Steven Adams or Steven Adams, why isn't he with the team, all this. And then some poking around. I, I had a pretty good inkling he was going to be there in Chicago. I didn't want to say that outright because yeah. it wasn't certain. But you I had, sort of you had more hinted, than a hunch. Yeah, I sort of hinted in the answer that, like, you know, keep an eye out. Like, he, he, don't be surprised if he pops up you know, sometime soon. And he did. I don't think, I think Drew wrote about this too, a little bit, you know, after the fact. It's not like he's going to be, be sitting there on the bench in Memphis anytime soon, I don't think, with any regularity. I, you know, I don't know where he's rehabbing. It is in the U.S. It was funny when I asked the, the mailbag question, I had people, when I asked for mailbag questions, I had people asking about Stephen Adams. There was someone on one of my social media channels, channels who kept going in and answering the questions people were asking me. And the answer was, he's been in New Zealand the whole time. Well, that's not, he has not been in New Zealand the whole time. He's been, he had his surgery and he's been rehabbing in the United States. But he has not been estranged from the team in some, like, you know, scandalous way. He's a seven-foot dude who had knee surgery and he's not, like, flying around. And he has been, you know, rehabbing and living wherever he is, somewhere in the United States, with, in collaboration with the team. Yeah, and I mean, now, like, I say that. Go ahead, I say sorry. that. I, I, I do think the long-term future, even long-term as an into next season with Steven Adams and the Grizzlies to me is not crystal clear. I mean, I, you know, I, I think they're on good terms, but like things went wonky <laughs> heading into this season and they have to have some sense of confidence about like, about their, about their center situation going into next season. So I think, you know, hopefully by the time they get to the summer, all that has worked out in a affirmative way, but I don't think it's like, you know, nothing to see here. But the fact that he has not been with the team has been a nothing to see here. What? And I don't know. Maybe there's no way of knowing this. But if you had to, if you had to put a percentage on it today, what percentage chance would you give that Stephen Adams is the starting center on opening night next year? I would say seventy, and I would break that extra thirty percent into two ways, okay. like. Maybe 15% of that is he's not with the team, and 15% of that is that his injury is lingering a little bit and they're just going to, like, debut him a little bit later. And so, you know, I, so there's two paths to him not being the star center on opening night. One is he's not ready yet, and one he's not here. And so given that, there's a, you know, a decent chance that is that, that is not the case. But I, I still think it, it, it tilts strongly in the direction of he's your opening night center. But if you had to guess, you would say that, their plan is to have him be their starting center next year. That's how you feel. I would say that is the current default scenario. Yeah. I don't know if they have, like, this is the plan. I think it's the plan until it's not the plan, just because, you know, he's the guy you have under contract. He has been a great center for you. And so I, I don't think they have decided. I don't, I'll put it this way. I don't think they have decided otherwise. There's not an alternate plan that has been chosen, I don't believe. No, I mean, that makes sense to me because at a certain level, it's like, okay, like, what are the other alternatives? Because, right. you know, I mean, I suppose it's possible you, you can you, make a you don't deal. Have to give up any, you don't have to give up anything to get Steven Adams. You right. Steven Adams at home. Right. And, and so it also seems to me like at a certain point, like, 
they do want to test the theory of like whether or not it still works. You know what I mean? Like that, and I think that's probably a reasonable position. Yes, but I think you know, I think the center situation generally, you know, is something that wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if there if there are conversations around the trade deadline. Wouldn't surprise me if, like, when you get into the draft, there's a lot of centers projected in the lottery yeah. of this draft. So I think addressing the center situation, whether that's someone who would be your starting center instead of Stephen Adams, or that's just someone else to add to your roster along with Stephen Adams, you know, could go either way. I think the center situation is something they have to be looking at. How active do you think they're going to be between now and, what is it, February 8th? When's the trade deadline? February 8th. Okay. Um, I think I got so, I've got part. I got part two of a mailbag probably going up today, and it's a trade deadline specific yeah. mailbag. Um, I think. Well, when you say active, do you mean active on the phone or active in like you know sending in paperwork to the NBA to complete deals? Those are two different things. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess I would say sending in paperwork, right? Because at a certain level, I suspect they're going to be active on the phone, but we won't really know, right? I suspect they'll do some stuff. I think it is most likely. That the stuff they do is not like 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 my lead mailback thing. Someone asked me, "Who are your five you know most realistic trade deadline targets for the Grizzlies?" Right. So I play that parlor game, and, and I'll let that come out in the column. But I say in my lead up to it, the most likely thing for them to do is it to like go trade for a player who will be in their rotation next season. The most likely thing to do is for them to get rid of guys who aren't going to be on their team <laughs> next season. Right. right. Yes. It's it's. It's, you know, trading, you know, Zaire Williams or John Conchar, or Jake LaRavia or Xavier Tillman or one of those guys for, like, a second-round pick. It's, it's that kind of stuff. I think that kind of stuff is much more likely than, like, the exciting, ooh, look at the new guy we added kind of trade. I suspect in the universe of possibilities, they'll find something to do. So I'd be, I'll be surprised if they do nothing at all. Yeah, to me, it's almost like I – I assume they're going to try to start cutting down on some numbers, right? Or at least there will be the attempt. Yep. Whether or not, yep. whether or not that's that's able to be successful, like as you've always pointed out, to make a trade happen, you got to have a trade partner. And it's always been unclear to me what the value of some of the guys the Grizzlies would like to probably you know part ways with. And at I a certain agree. level, do you think like I don't? Do you envision unless they're going to get like a great asset? Like I don't envision them having to take on take on liability, right? Well, I, I think they, they, I mean, they, it's, they can't really, they need to shed a little bit of money. Not, they, they sort of can't, it's going to be hard for them to take on extra money going forward. Yeah. Now they can take on extra money this season. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was that it was like, you know, we'll take more money from you this season and reduce your tax bill and return right. for you taking more of ours next season. Yeah. One of those kind of trades. Like, I think that could happen. I, I think, and I, I've, I've noted this, I think in last week's mailbag, one of the reasons I think they haven't signed any of these hardship guys yet is they're maximizing their space under the luxury tax right now, heading into the trade de- deadline, potentially for that kind of purpose, if they want to take on more salary this season. Um, I forget what your question was. I was no, it's just going. like, it's, do you think, like, I can't really see them bringing back, like, to your point, if they're going to do some, hey, listen, we'll, we'll we'll take on your penalty this year if you take ours next year, but, like, I don't really see them like bringing back a ton of like bad assets to just try to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, no, no, okay. So, so yeah, okay, that was where I was going to get. So to your point, like if guys don't have positive value, then you sort of have to induce teams to take them from you, right. right? And typically, what you would do with that is attach a draft pick. 
Well, they're not going to attach a first-round pick to get off of $5 million or any of right. that kind of dumb stuff, right? And uh, the well, problem is, I most certainly hope not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, they're not doing that. Um, that's been done before. Yeah, it, it, I know. It, it, that's it, what I'm it, saying. I did, there was a reason I'm saying I most certainly hope not. I don't think yeah, they no, would so, do this. So they're not doing that. Now, could I see a situation where, like, you you're, you want to shave $6 million off your payroll next season up? You, you give a second-round pick to do that? Yeah, I could. The problem is that they don't have a lot of second round picks to trade. They, I mean, they, they've been they've been they've been they've been trading them. They traded several for Luke Kennard. Um, they've traded second round picks and other stuff to get into or move up. And they actually don't have a lot of extra second round picks floating around. They do not have their second round pick in this draft. Yeah, that's uh, we're gonna have at least plenty of time to talk about that, Chris. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thanks. That is Chris Harrington again. You can go read. Part one of his mailbag, it's available over at the Daily Memphian part two. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. Whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.